Let's take another moment. and consider the God who loved us into being. And pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy King. God for prayers that open up heaven for us and give us a way to see what we can't see with natural eyes, that we have a Father in heaven, that you've given us daily bread, that you've forgiven us and teach us to be forgivers. Thank you for prayers that can open up heaven and let your kingdom come here on earth. And that's what I'm praying for us today, that we wouldn't live just with a view of this world, but we'd live with a view of eternity. And that you'd let us today uh, hear from you with an open heaven, holding nothing 
holding nothing against people. But we pray that we would hear from heaven. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the most powerful parts of that prayer for me right now is forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So I wonder if you really want God to forgive you for your sins like you forgive other people. So just consider that for a minute. Do you really want God to forgive you like you forgive not your best friends, like you'll forgive them maybe, right? But those other people that we hold things against. Like, do we really want God to forgive us like that? Yeah, that's a good question. That's, that's where, it's kind of my address right now. And we were laughing, you know, Scott and I <clears throat> were saying, you know, we've had a lot of practice forgiving our whole lives. Like, we've got, we just, like, regularly get the opportunity to forgive. And um, I don't know if you notice this or not, but you do too. There are regular opportunities for you to practice forgiveness. And forgiveness really is offering others the same treatment we've received from God. And I really do want to treat people the way God has treated me. I don't always do it. I want to do better. I'm practicing. You know, one of the things that we've been learning over these last few weeks as we've been talking about forgiveness is that forgiving God forgiving ourselves, and now today, um, forgiving others is really the medicine we need. I think unforgiveness changed you to your unhelpful history and maybe some family system that you don't want to be a part of. Like, you could actually really um, say today how you practice forgiveness may look like the family system you came from. Like, if you get mad at each other and somebody slams the door and hides in the room right? That might be the way you practice forgiveness. Or if you're the person that stomps and throws things. Um, earlier in my life, I mean, I don't think I've thrown a cup in like 26 years. Have I, honey? 25. Uh, but I had a couple of cup-throwing moments, you know. And, and if any of you know that part of our story, um, after I threw the cup at the wall... Uh, with someone's face in mind, uh, nobody here. And um, Scott, Scott came in the bedroom and sat on the edge of the bed, and he said, how did that feel? Because, you know, Scott's never thrown a cup, but he should. I think that would, don't you think it'd be good for nines on the Enneagram to just throw a cup one time, just one time? But we all have ways we've learned forgiveness is a learned behavior. And if you live long enough, you will recognize that you have a practice. Is that really the practice you want? Is that the practice you want? The way that you practice forgiveness, stonewalling, running away, cussing people out, is that really the way you want to live? So let's just say it together. I'm practicing. Yeah? And I want the practice that I practice to actually open up heaven and not close it down. I want the practice that I practice to open up the grace of God for me and you. Amen? I mean, that is a practice. T.D. Jake said, if you're going to do great things in the earth, you're also going to have great offenses. 
God will promote you to the level of your tolerance of offense and pain. And there it is, Sam, my first uh, grammatical error on the screen. I know, I, that was for you. Um, people who can't take pain can't be promoted. He says this thing, come on, say it with me, new levels, new devils. So, you know, when, when there are things that are happening in your life and God is bringing you forward and offering you new space. Just know you're going to be offended. You are a part of the human race. Um, You know, we love that Desmond Tutu just said, being human means you're going to suffer. And so if we can just get that out of the way and say, okay, there's going to be things that are really difficult in life. And um, if I'm getting offended, God's actually trying to grow me up in a particular way so that I can do the next thing. And if I am not able to forgive here, I'll be stuck. I do not want to be stuck, friends. So we gave you two books that are really important for this conversation because these three little talks are no way enough to talk about forgiveness. We're going to miss stuff. We're going to make you mad. We're going to actually blow it. You know, we might even uh, say something that, that really next week we'll learn uh, a little bit better and might say it better next week. But just know that these two books written by Desmond Tutu and his daughter and also The Lens are really wonderful bookends. And um, the thing I love about this book, Everybody Don't Forgive Too Soon, is it has pictures. Has pictures. It has little bulleted practices. You could read this book in one hour, but I promise you, after you read it, you'll read it several times in your life. Because there are beautiful ways that God will show you about forgiveness. That there is a way to open flow from heaven to earth. And so when we're learning to forgive God and forgive myself and forgive others, we're actually living in the great commandment. The loving God with all our heart, mind, and strength and loving neighbor as self. If we're forgiving God and forgiving ourselves, we actually will have the bandwidth to forgive others. And I'm not saying it always has to go in that direction because sometimes you just take a step of faith and say, I forgive so-and-so, right? And then God reminds you, of maybe how you're not forgiving yourself in that situation or you haven't forgiven God. And so I'm just going to ask, um, let's see, who would really love to read a scripture for us this morning? And you're, you know, you have a great voice for reading scripture. Wayne, do you want to read scripture for us this morning? Come on, come on, Wayne. Everybody give it up for Wayne. He didn't know he was going to do this. So... Scott's going to hand you a microphone, and here we go. Let's stand together. Matthew 5, 38 through 42. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you And do not refuse anyone 
who wants to borrow from you. Friends, this is God's word for us. Can you say thanks be to God? Thanks be to God. Can you say ouch? Can you say what? God, what do you mean by that? Um, in some settings, you read the scripture and people will say, oh my goodness, I mean, what, did Jesus really mean that? Are you sure that's in red? Did Jesus, are those really the red words of Jesus? What is that about? And so, you know, one of the reasons that we've recommended you read this book is I'm going to give you an understanding of the way that this scripture was heard by the original people who heard it in their context, in their, uh, in their particular culture. Um, one time, Scott used a word on a Sunday morning that was just a word that we use here in America, and there was a German person that came up to him later and said, do you know that you just swore in uh, German in the microphone? And Scott said, oh, I, I didn't know that. So the reality is when we look at Scripture, we need to look at it through a cultural lens, through an anthropological lens, through a historical lens, and listen that the, for the word that God is speaking to us. So let's do that today, okay? All right. Be seated, please. Here's what the lens want us to know. In this text, Jesus seems to be saying that forgiveness means letting ourselves be hit on both cheeks. Everybody say no. Okay. Rather than um, allowing our coat to be taken to give even our cloak and just saying, then you're going to be left naked. And everybody say, not really. Okay. Um, I want you to know that the scripture here has everything to do with maintaining human dignity. And what Jesus was teaching the people here is, um, sweetheart, you want to come and uh, bring me your glasses so I can see? You don't? Okay, Bonnie, can I have yours? You guys love me, don't you? Thank you, darling. Thank you, Bonnie. Let's set aside for a moment the first two sentences and begin with 39b. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. Why does Jesus specify the right cheek? Imagine that you are a poor slave in ancient Palestine, and your master is facing you and about to strike you. He cannot use his left hand since that is used for only unclean tasks. You guys know what I'm talking about? wasn't always running water. Okay. Let your imagination run wild. I don't know. Therefore, he must use his right hand. He cannot strike you on the right cheek with a fist or with the front of his right hand since this would require him to twist or contort his arm. Thus, in order to strike you on the right cheek, he will have to use the back of his right hand. And in Jesus' culture, hitting someone with the back of your hand was a gesture with a very specific meaning. This gesture was used only for those in positions of more power to humiliate those with less power. 
Masters would backhand their slaves. Romans would backhand Jews. Husbands would backhand wives. And parents would backhand children. The message was, remember your place. Now, if you do as the passage says, and you turn your other cheek, your left cheek, and your master must still use the right hand, then he can no longer backhand you. If he hits you again, he'll have to use a fist. Hitting another with a fist is a gesture used only between equals. Thus, by turning your other cheek, you have reclaimed your dignity and communicated that you refuse to be humiliated. You have also invited your master to reclaim his true dignity by examining the lie by which he lives, that one human being is better than another. And you have done all this nonviolently without striking back. Now, Jesus is brilliant. I just have to say, Jesus is brilliant. Come on, everybody say, Jesus is brilliant. Because Jesus knows no longer an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It doesn't work. The whole world is blind when we live like that. So Jesus is teaching this nonviolent way of maintaining your dignity when you've been offended and teaching them in a very clear culture that allowed masters to whip their slaves and their wives, that it was legal to say, no, we're going to call you all to your human dignity. See, when we forgive evil, we do not excuse it. We do not tolerate it. We do not smother it. We look evil full in the face, call it what it is, and let its horror shock and stun and enrage us. And then we can forgive it. In a sinful world, no community can exist for long where nobody is ever held accountable. No teacher would grade a student's performance. No citizen would sit on a jury or call a failed leader to account. We know that we have to call people to account that are doing unjust things. We don't just let someone treat us unjustly. We have to stand in our own human dignity and call people to live in their human dignity. Because if someone is treating another person like they're less than them, they are broken on the inside. They have a wrong view of God and themselves. Those that oppress don't realize that they and the person that they're oppressing are loved deeply by God. It's hard to believe. To forgive is to set a prisoner free and to discover the prisoner is you. You really can walk away loving yourself when you've stood in your human dignity. This is not about being a doormat. This is not about allowing abuse of power. This is not about that. It's about teaching human dignity. And I want to say to us, friends, we've got to learn how to teach our children these things well. You know, we've got so much violence in our world, and we have hope in the future if we teach our children how to stand in their own human dignity and to forgive, but that doesn't necessarily mean you trust that person again. Do you understand? Right? Trust is a whole different thing. You can forgive and never sit for tea with someone again. It might not be possible for you to ever be safe in the same room with them again. But we're not going to be held captive by unforgiveness if we're practicing. We can practice. See, an emotional wound can heal in a miraculous way, but normally goes through stages of healing. Mr. Rogers says it this way, feelings that are mentionable are manageable. 
When we can actually start to say our truth, we can manage, we can work through it. Feelings that are mentionable are manageable. If we don't ever say anything, if we disappear when something, an offense has taken, and we don't stand in our own human dignity and say, that is not okay, then we won't be able to manage it. It'll be frozen on the inside of us and turn into bitterness. And, and friends, the most dangerous people in the world are bitter the most violent crimes have been committed by people who were bitter, that stuffed their own pain and let the depression that they felt become anger turned inward, and then they had to bring it out some way, somehow. So three people did really good work on this, and I'm going to mention them. Um, the Lins did this good work, Finding Meaning by Kessler and the extended Kubler-Ross model, talking about grief and the five stages. But this is the extended, and it has to do with forgiveness. So we're not going to talk about grief, but I got to tell you, there's usually grief involved when you haven't been able to forgive. There's deep sadness. So look at this. The first stage when you're not able to forgive is shock. This is a person's initial sense of paralysis. They feel shocked. They feel numb. They're unable to react. Have, has anybody ever experienced that? Like right after I had a major um, offense happen and I ran into that person for the first time, I honestly, I felt like my whole body went numb and I didn't know what to do. Now that might sound funny to you if that's not what happens for you. Some of you run. I went numb and I didn't know how to respond so, you know, that happens when unforgiveness is their shock and then denial. Then, then we go to the stage, and not necessarily in a linear pattern, even though we have it one, two, three, because it can go round and round, right? So here we are, denial. I don't admit that I'm hurt. I'm not hurt. I'm not hurt. They can't hurt me. They can't hurt me, you know. No, I'm not hurt. No, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. No big deal. No big deal. No big deal. Have you ever said that? No big deal? How else do you say that? What? I got this. Mm-hmm. How else do you do denial? Bury it, like way underneath. Yeah, how else? Acting out against other people. Scott gets passive-aggressive, just so you know. <laughs> So Scott will get really stubborn and he'll dig down in, you know. Me, I, I, um, I'm practicing not being so mouthy. And, and I, what I can do with my mouth is I don't cuss you out, but what I do is I can make you feel like you are the most incompetent human if you don't see it my way. See, don't you guys wish you could preach so you could tell all your sins to everybody? But that is, that, that's how I deny. Or then three, anger. It's their fault and I'm hurt. And we can't find anything going on in us that we might want to talk about, right? It's, the, it's their fault. It's their fault. It's their fault. And many, you know, I'm not saying many. Sometimes it is. But I'm just saying this is the part of forgiveness. Maybe it is all their fault. What if it is all their fault? Are you still called to forgive? You know, it, it's a but it's a process. Can I just say that when you go to church and they say forgive and get over it, that is bad psychology and bad spirituality. If we don't work through these stages, 
we are not going to be psychologically and spiritually healthy. It'll just be a Band-Aid on something that will fester and become ugly later. Right? This is why Jesus was saying, stand there. Stand in your dignity. By the way, the rest of that verse is unpacked in this book, too. You're not going to want to miss it. Four, bargaining. How many of you bargain? Bargain. Bargain. I set up conditions to be fulfilled before I'm ready to forgive. Okay, God, if you really want me to forgive, they're going to call me on Tuesday at 6 o'clock, and they're going to say, right? If they actually, if they say X, Y, and Z, then I'm going to forgive. That's a legitimate part of the forgiveness process. Talk to God about that. And let God love you there. And let God say, okay, is that really a condition for the forgiveness? Is that really standing in your human dignity? Or is that you just being full of pride and angst, right? So let God talk to you there. Depression. By the way, these are chapters in here that you can really unpack. Depression. It's my fault that I'm hurt. And this kind of depression might turn to, you know, anger turned inward and can result in addictions um, of all kinds. That you are so angry at yourself, you start to do self-sabotaging things. You start to hurt yourself with alcohol and drugs or many other kinds of addictions. And then there's testing. During this stage, a person experiments with ways to better manage and cope with the loss, and sometimes more harm happens here. It might even get, I mean, to the point where it's just not a bad habit, but now it's a pattern in your life, and you need God's help. And you might need AA, and you might need a therapist, and you might, and by the way, should always do this in community with safe people. Like one spiritual friend, a pastor, a prayer partner, a, you know, don't, don't try to go it alone when you have unforgiveness that just seems to keep popping up. We need each other. Amen? It's really true. And then the quest for meaning. Here's where people start saying, what is the meaning in this? And then they'll start saying, well, I'm smarter because of that. I'm kinder. You know, I'm better. I'm a better human because I went through that. So I'm going to thank God that that terrible abuse happened to me because they're starting to look for a quest for meaning. I'm now activated to do this particular thing. I'm actually a sponsor in AA because I did my work. You know, like good things happen. How many of you have done something good with something really bad that happened? Yeah, there's more of you. Trust me. You know, you don't even realize that you've been formed by these things. You know, I I think about some of the music you write, Jaquiel, and I think about the ways you address violence in the black community and the way that you, because you had somebody really special to you and more than one person that was murdered, um, and your music, the things that you write, they come out of your pain and they come out of your willingness to bring hope to people. And I want to thank you for doing that because I can't rap. I would if I could, but I can't, so I won't. But that there is this part of forgiveness, like to say, okay, so how can God use this in my life? There is meaning in this. And then there's acceptance. And during acceptance, a person integrates and understands the loss. And this doesn't mean, does not mean, everybody say, does not mean you're over it. In fact, can we just strike that from our vocabulary? Oh, I'm over that. 
No, actually, you have memory. Every cell in your body has memory. Your body holds memories. And the truth is, you move with it for the goodness of God and the goodness of people and the goodness of your own life. And you say, this is my story. This is my song. Right? Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior. Coretta Scott King said it this way. Hey, Tammy, can you read it to us? Because it, oh, here we go. Hate is too great a burden to bear. It injures the hater more than it injures the hated. And when I think about her having the courage to say that, I say, you know what? There is really something important here about practicing forgiveness, about learning to practice forgiveness with those filthy Democrats and those stupid Republicans, whatever whatever you call them from your particular way. See, we have to say these things out loud at church, friends, because they're being said in social media, they're being said in the break room, and when you hear somebody label an entire group of people by someone's actions, it's not okay. It makes us haters. We're not haters, friends. You know, we can stand up and we can, in our dignity, say, here's what's important to learn from this situation, but we don't fight the devil with the devil, We don't try to cast out the devil with the devil. You can't. You can only cast out the devil with love. So the next part of your life, what if it was open to the flow of the Holy Spirit? You need restoration of your mind and the energy that forgiveness brings. Do you know why you're tired? Do you know? I mean, I'll tell you what. Unforgiveness has sucked my energy at different, and I don't care how much yoga and burn boot camp and whatever you got going on to try to deal with your stuff. The reality is, is unforgiveness will suck your strength. And God wants you to be energized. God wants you to live in the freedom of treating other people the way God treats you, right? But it's a process. There's a way to walk through this. You need the restoration of your mind and the energy that forgiveness brings. So we have these little rocks. And um, you have the rocks, honey? Can you be the rock person and bring them down here? You may or may not want to do this. It's no problem. Um, But if you do, this is a gift to you. This came from Desmond Tutu. He has a little practice that he calls the stone ritual. You will need a palm-sized stone. And for the space of one morning, you got to have a morning off for six hours or some way you can do this, hold the stone in your non-dominant hand. So if you're a righty, hold it in your left hand for six hours. Do not set the stone down for any reason during this period. And at the end of six hours, proceed to the journal exercise. And you can journal, what did you notice about carrying the stone? When did you notice it most? Did it hinder any of your activities? Was it ever useful? In what ways was carrying the stone like carrying an unforgiven hurt? Make a list of people you need to forgive in your life. 
make another list of all those you would like to have forgive you. This is going to be up on our website, so you guys will be able to find it on Facebook, on the website. What if you did this little practice just to notice that actually you're carrying something all the time, you don't even notice it? There's something about giving your body memory with doing a practice like this that could actually give you a way to see what you're carrying and how much it does hinder you and how it does keep you from the work you're called to do, the life you're, you're given to live into well and freely. I don't know if anybody saw Frozen 2. Anybody seen Frozen 2? Okay, well, there's a song called Do the Next Right Thing. And I think that's what forgiveness is about. Emily Freeman said it this way, just do the next right thing. You know, if you take a look and you say, you know what, I'm in the bargaining phase and I need to sit and talk with someone about that, or I'm in the denial phase, or seriously, I'm in shock. Don't even know what happened. Wherever you are, don't be alone there. And friends, if you have a friend that you know needs help with this, don't let them be alone there. Maybe you are a person that regularly works through the forgiveness stages all the time, and that's awesome. Or maybe you're practicing and you could sit next to your friend and say, you know, I want to help you walk through this. I don't want you to diminish what's happened to you. I don't want you to put yourself in a place of danger ever again. I don't want you to trust someone who's not trustworthy. But, you know, people can regain trust. Did you know that? That it happens over time. And decision after decision, when somebody actually starts to show up and be a different human, over and over again, you can trust that they have worked the good work of receiving God's forgiveness and they can be trusted again. So I just want to say, what's the next right thing for you? We started this message off with Mr. Roberts, uh, Mr. Rogers saying, bring someone to mind that was important to bringing you into being, right? He invited that practice. And once you watch the movie, you'll understand that the guy named Lloyd was a, um, he was a writer for Esquire magazine, and he wrote really bad articles about people, awful, scathing articles about people, and was a really tough journalist, and when Lloyd's wife found out he was going to write the article about Mr. Rogers for Esquire magazine, she said, please don't ruin my childhood memories of Mr. Rogers. And the, the, the movie is a story of Lloyd getting to deal with his unforgiveness. And one of the practices that can help you do that is to meditate on who's been important in your life, bringing you into being. And the way that you can say for that reason, Jaquiel, you know, the inspiration of your music. For me, the work that I've done with uh, sexual assault services and human trafficking came right out of stuff I care about personally. Many of you, the work that you do, it has something to do with the pain you've incurred. And let the importance of that moment be remembered in a different way. 
by practicing seeing that you are becoming the person that God intended, even though you've been offended, even though you've been hurt, even though the evil one wanted to kill you and take you out. That if you let this good work of forgiveness happen, you're going to keep becoming the self that God created from the beginning, the foundations of the world. And I want you to just close your eyes for a minute if you're comfortable with that or look down with your gaze lowered just so that you're not distracted. Some people are ready to forgive right now, God. They have been through all of those stages and they're at acceptance. And today, God, we just want to say, God, I forgive, and then go ahead and say their name. You're ready for that. Or maybe you even want to say it just because you want to start moving in that direction. God, I forgive so-and-so as you have forgiven me. God, help me. And I would even invite you to hold your hands open before God and just say, God, for, forgive me. Forgive me for all the things I've done and left undone. And God, will you make beautiful things out of these dark places? God, will you help me practice forgiveness so that I am a forgiver just like you? God, I, I pray for the person that hurt me. If you can, if it's a step of faith, try it. God, I pray for and name their name. Ways they betrayed me, the ways they lied about me, the ways they've hurt me, the ways they've fill in the blank. And God, help me just breathe in the ability by your spirit to forgive and let go so that no root of bitterness can grow up in me. God, we need to see the lengths that you took to forgive us, the, the choice you made to come to earth to give your life when you knew that people were going to abuse you and mock you and crucify you. You came knowing that's how people would treat you. And you came for us, for me, anyway. And may that forgiveness just flow through this place. May that forgiveness and the ability to forgive flow through this place. Whatever step we can take, help us to do the next right thing. 
while we sing, you're welcome to come up and just take a rock if you'd like to and take it home with you this week.
So God, we receive new morning mercy in all the ways you want to bring it to us all week long. Let us not resist waking up and receiving new morning mercy. When we lay our head on the pillow, let mercy sing us to sleep. Great is your faithfulness, O oh God. We pray for an anointing on this church to be forgivers and healers and restorers of things that are broken. Oh God, let our pain, let us become the kind of beautiful wounded healers that this world needs. Bless my friends. Let them not resist your love, Lord God. Let them not resist Jesus for healing me and for healing people all over this room that something significant is shifting in the hearts of people. Forgiving God, forgiving ourselves, forgiving others. May that be an open flow from heaven to earth, an open flow from heaven to earth. Let it be so, God. disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. You taught the Our Father. So together we pray, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, now and forever. Amen. 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 Bless you guys. Have a beautiful, beautiful week.